So today we're, we're talking about um, missions. It's Missions Month. Um, November is Missions Month in our church. We've done that for the last few years. And I just want to start by saying our church is a missional church. The Church of the Nazarene, which is our, the denomination that we're a part of, is a missional denomination. But even more than that, we at Westchester Nazarene are a missional church. Maybe some of you are new and, and you haven't gotten a chance to plug into that, but we believe that, that God has a mission in the world around us and that we are called to be a part of that mission. And so we are missional. When the Church of the Nazarene, before the Church of the Nazarene even became the Church of the Nazarene, there were the, the parent um, denominations that joined together were already in many different parts of the world. And today there are 164 world areas in the Church of the Nazarene that we are ministering in. And so as we meet today in Westchester, Ohio, we are just one of many, many, many thousands of churches all over the world doing the mission of Christ, worshiping today. And, and so we are a missional church, but it's not just the all across the world. The Church of the Nazarene was started through local mission as well. At the beginning, there was a place called the Glory Barn, where, where the people of the community were hurting and broken, and the Church of the Nazarene said, we're going to reach them with the gospel, and it was the Glory Barn because, because the Holy Spirit showed up, and the church was missional, not just around the world, but right in its community. So we are a missional church, and that doesn't just mean we go to other countries. That means we are called to the mission field right here. And so today we're, we're starting our missions month. And, and our theme, as you've already seen and heard, is mission possible. God's mission, the mission of Christ when he came to earth was to save the world, to redeem the world, to bring people back to their creator. And we are a part of that mission. And sometimes I think it can be easy for us in the church to think it's too hard. The world is too far gone. There's too much working against the mission. It's impossible. But I want to tell you today that, that the mission of the church, the, God's mission of redeeming the world is not impossible. It's possible. And we are called to that mission. And so over the next few weeks, um, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 9 and chapter 10. And we're going to be talking about that mission. But as a church, so, so God has a mission. We, as the church, are a part of that mission. So if we're on the mission, guess what that means? You're in the church. You are a part of the mission. So you, today, I'm going to let you have some fun with this. You are a secret agent on the mission. So I want you to do this. We, we uh, secretly taped things under your chair, and it is our mission brochure. So I want you to look under your chair. Some of you, there, there was a first service, so some of you, there may not be one, and you may have to go on a real mission to find one, but reach under your chair and see if you can find your mission briefing for Mission Possible. If you didn't get one, if there's someone around you that looks like they haven't found one, help them find one, get one from under the chair. That was one of those, uh, you know, ideas that we thought was really good until we had to actually tape them all under the chair. <laughs> this is your mission briefing. We are on a mission. Mission possible. So I want you to look through this, and over the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about three phases of the mission. The first one, this week, we're focusing on local missions. So if you open up the mission intelligence briefing, 
right there at the top, it is local mission. Um, and, and local mission is that we are called to minister and serve the community right around us. Westchester, Mason, Liberty Township, and the surrounding areas. We have a local mission field. Next week, we're going to talk about global mission or world mission. If you open it to the next page, you'll see global. And, and you'll, you'll understand that the Church of the Nazarene is a missional global church. In fact, I, 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 don't, I may have already said this. I don't know if it was first service or just a little bit ago. But we, there are more people in the Church of the Nazarene worshiping today outside of the United States than there are inside the United States. We are a global church. And so I want you to see over the next couple of weeks how you can be involved in the global mission. And then the third part of this is faith promise. Faith promise is the way that we fund the mission. Faith promise is, is, a, is a promise that we make to God that we say we want to give towards your mission. We want to serve. We want to be a part of it, but we want to give. And so faith promise is something we do once a year. And it's where you would make a pledge, and this is not, this is above and beyond your tithe and your regular offerings. You would make a pledge to say, I want to help fund the mission. I want to help fund what God is doing in the world around us. And so you'll see on that page, there's a faith promise brochure. In the third week, November 21st, we're going to have Dr. Jim and Kathy Radcliffe, who spent years in Papua New Guinea, serving the people of Papua New Guinea. Any of you been to Papua New Guinea in the church? All right, we got a few. Papa, Dr. Jim and Kathy Ratcliffe are going to share with us on November 21st, and we are going to take our faith pl promise pledges. So listen, I know that, that these days people aren't at church every week. I know that there are places you have to go and things you have to do. And, and when you can, I want you to be a part of our church here in person. If you can't be, we want you to join us online. But, but faith promise is something we're doing over the next three weeks. So if God would stir your heart to give towards faith promise... I would ask you to fill out that Faith Promise Pledge card, and you can turn it in any of the three weeks, but on the 21st, we'll kind of have the big push. And listen, let me say this. I am not someone who likes to beg for money, and I'm not going to do that. I, I'm going to be really honest with you. I don't, I'm not real worried about what God asks you to give. What I'm worried about is that we are faithful to give to the mission. Uh, the scripture says a lot about what we do with our money and how our money tends to show where our heart is. And so as the people of God, our money should be given generously to the mission of reaching the world around us, the community around us, and fulfilling God's mission. So mission possible. We're in Matthew chapter 9 and Matthew chapter 10. So I want you to stand up, and I want to give you just some quick context. Go ahead and stand up for the reading of God's Word. And here in, in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus has come to earth on a mission to save the world, to bring people back, to pay for their sins, to restore and redeem all things. Jesus is on the mission, and so in Matthew chapter 9, we're going to see that he's going about the mission, and he's trying to save the world. So let's read, verse, starting in verse 35, it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. 
Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. You can have a seat. So Jesus is on mission. Jesus has a mission to redeem and restore all things, and he's traveling from place to place. That's what we see in chapter 9. We're going to get into chapter 10 in a minute, which is our part where we're brought into the mission. But in chapter 9, we see the ministry of Christ. And I want us to take some time and I want us to learn a little bit from how Jesus goes about his mission. So, so chapter 9, Jesus is traveling around. Have any of you ever just had, like, you've been on a mission? Anyone ever been, like, super focused on a mission? Anybody awake? Yeah. Oh, there we go. Okay. <laughs> if, if you, like, Jesus is super focused on the mission of redeeming and restoring all things. That's where we're at. So Jesus is traveling. He's preaching. He's teaching. He's healing. He's called his disciples. And as he goes on his mission, there's three things I want you to see from Jesus. And then we're going to see about three more things um, when he sends his disciples. But the first thing is this. It says in verse 36, he's traveling around. He's on mission. He's focused. Listen to what it says. When he saw the crowds... He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. All right, if you just read through that, you would probably gloss right over it. But I want you to see the significance of what this is saying. Jesus is locked in on his mission. And if you've ever been on a mission, you know, sometimes you can get locked in. But as Jesus is going from place to place, from town to town, it says when he saw the crowds... He had compassion on them. It would be really tempting to just blow by that and say, oh, he saw them. I mean, I see Chris right now. Yeah, yeah, I see Teresa over there. He saw them. That's not what this is saying. This isn't just he glanced over and saw some people. He's on a mission to redeem and restore all things. And as he goes, he he doesn't just see people. He sees people. Let me, let me tell you about that a little bit more. That word really doesn't just mean to glance at. It means to know, to understand, to see them. Have you ever like, been in a place where like, maybe you were walking by someone, but you really didn't? You may have glanced at them. You may have seen them, but you didn't really see them. Jesus saw the people. Let me, let, let me just take a second and say, this is really good news. Have any of you ever felt invisible? Have have any of you ever been in a place where you felt like you didn't matter and nobody saw you? Jesus, the Savior of the world, Creator God, fully God, fully man, sees the people. He's on a mission. He's saving the world. That's a big task, right? But as he goes, he sees the people around him. So when we lived in South Carolina, I'm a little bit embarrassed about this. When we lived in South Carolina, um, we had a friend named Will, and a couple years after we met Will, we were hanging out, and um, sometimes, let me just say this, when I get on a mission, it doesn't matter how big the mission is, maybe the mission is, I need to go do this after service, or I need to go talk to this person, when I'm on a mission, sometimes I can get so focused on that mission that I don't see the people around me. So Will, I'd been friends with him for a couple years. 
And this casually came up in conversation. He said, you know, when I first met you, I thought you were a jerk. And I said, well, you got me figured out. That's easy. No, he, he, said, he said, when I first met you, I thought you were a jerk. And I said, why did you think I was a jerk? And he said, well, it was after service, and I came up, and it was the first time I'd ever talked to you, and you were looking right past me. You didn't even see me. And let me just say, like, if, I, if any of you have ever felt that, I am so sorry. That, that's, that's not who I want to be or what I want to do. I don't want to be so focused on a mission that I miss the people around me. And I love that we see Jesus saying this, that it, Jesus is going, he's on this mission to save the world, but he still sees, knows, understands the people around him. Sometimes I think in the church, it's easy for us to come and worship It's easy for us to say, we're going to change the world. We're going to serve the world. But sometimes we don't see the people around us. Do we see the people around us? Do you see the people? I love, Greg shared, you know, his story. I love the fact that they're moving into a house. How many of you have moved into a new house before? That's a mission. That's a lot of work. There's a lot to be done. There's been painting. There's been a lot of things. You know what I love? The mission of moving hasn't kept Greg and Linda from seeing their neighbors. We need to learn from Jesus here. We have a big mission. But if we're going to accomplish that mission, we have to see the people around us. There was a a group of pastors I met with this last week, and, and one of the pastors is at this big church that's in the middle of this broken community, and he said, well, we, we like to kind of refer to our problem as the donut problem, because here we've got this great, big, beautiful church, and there's this circle around it, and in, inside that circle, there's been no ministry at all. And our church has been all about reaching these people on the outside, and so there's this donut that's been created. And he said, we've been really trying to work on seeing our neighbors, on reaching our neighbors. And as they were talking, there was a guy that lived right across from the street, uh, right across the street from the church. And he was talking to him one day, and he said, you know, I've lived in this house for 40 years. In that great big church, nobody has ever seen me or talked to me. 40 years. Listen, Jesus had a mission. Jesus saw the people around him. We are on a mission. If we as a church don't see the people right outside the walls of our church, if we don't see the people around us, we're not going to live out that mission. So do we see the people around us? Jesus saw the people. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. The first thing is Jesus saw the people. The second thing is this, Jesus had compassion. Now, a quick Google search, not, I didn't take, you know, I, I did take some classes in college, but I've forgotten almost everything I learned there. But I, I looked up this word, this word compassion, and it's splach nizema. Splach, you got to get that, splach nizema. And that word, it doesn't just mean, oh, I feel bad for that person. It doesn't just mean, oh, I love that person. That word, when it says that Jesus saw the people, he had compassion on them, that word means that he had like a deep inside concern, this moving of his soul for those people. And so he sees them, he really sees them, he doesn't just glance at them, he sees them, and his heart, his soul, his gut is stirred because he sees that the people are hurting and wandering and lost. 
And so, so Jesus feels compassion. I, I've got a feeling that in the church, if we're not feeling much compassion, it's because we're not seeing the people around us. But I'm convinced that if we are, there's a way this works, if we are in tune, if our hearts are in tune with God, if we are on the mission, if we're fully, fully committed to God and we know Him, and then we really see the people around us, I believe that our hearts will be moved to compassion. I I know we will. Because Jesus sees, Jesus loves, Jesus has compassion And we are called to the same thing. So if our hearts are in tune and we see our neighbors, we will be stirred with compassion, with this this unsettling of our gut, of our heart, that we have to do something. There are way too many Christians that are happy sitting comfortably in sanctuaries every week and don't see their neighbors that are hurting and don't feel compassion and, and sometimes it's easy to see the bad in people around us, isn't it? I mean, there's a lot of stuff in our world. There's a lot of people that, and there's a lot of times where we see the ugly, and it's easy for us to start seeing negative. Can, can I just, people are difficult, right? I mean, can, is anyone, would anyone say amen, people are difficult? Okay, that, that probably should have been one of the strongest amens we get here. I, I'm difficult. Megan, can I get an amen? That's mean. That's just, why would you do that to me? In front of all the, (laughs) people are difficult and it's easy for us to see people and only see the difficult. But here's the thing. I believe that if we will really see who people are, we will be stirred to compassion and we will see that people are beautiful. Beautiful. You know, people are made in God's image. And if we don't really see, see, if we're focused on our comfort and our own personal stuff and we're not on mission and we're not in tune with God's heart and we don't really see people for who they really are, we'll miss it. But if we see him, we'll have real compassion because people aren't our threat. People are a part of the mission. Jesus came for the people he saw. And he felt that compassion. So number one, Jesus sees. Number two, Jesus has compassion and loves. Number three, this is the step. What do you do do when there's a big problem? When you see this group of people and there's brokenness and there's pain and you feel that gut reaction, that compassion, what do you do? What does Jesus say? He says, go fix it, guys. Go ahead. Just go use all the skills that you've got. You guys can do it. Just go fix it. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says... And he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. What does Jesus tell the disciples to do? And Greg, you were preaching my sermon earlier. Thank you very much. It starts with prayer. When we see people, we really see them. When we have compassion on them and we see the brokenness and the hurting, we don't just go fix it. We start with prayer. There's a really important reason for that. It's because in our power, we can do nothing for them. We cannot help fix that problem. We cannot save people. But our God can. And so Jesus says, I see these people that are hurting, and I have this deep compassion, so we need to pray that God will work and that God will send 
people out into the harvest. And so that's when we move into uh, chapter 10. But before we do, I, I want to start, we, we talked about Jesus sees people. There's a, there's a line in here that's really good, and we're going to end with this line today. Um, not right now, later. But, but Jesus sees the people. Jesus feels the compassion, the deep compassion. And, and then it says, Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Oh, can, can we not miss what that says? Jesus sees brokenness, pain, hurting. He's moved to his core with compassion for this problem. And how does he respond? The harvest is plentiful. I love this. Jesus doesn't just see our brokenness. Jesus sees our restoration. We're going to end there today, but we move into Matthew chapter 10. Now, Matthew chapter 9 and 10 may not actually be sequential in the text. A lot of people believe that that Matthew's gospel kind of jumps around. There may have been some time in between this two, because it's kind of weird. In the end of chapter 9, it says, you know, I want you to pray that God would send workers out. And then in the beginning of chapter 10, Jesus sends out. So the first three things were what Jesus sees. Now we're going to get into... um, what God calls us, what Jesus calls us to do. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and he gave authority, gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, um, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Those are the disciples, the apostles. Verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel, and as you go, proclaim the message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So Jesus sees the people, really sees them. Jesus is moved with compassion for the people. Jesus says, let's pray, and then in chapter 10, Jesus says, hey, by the way, disciples that have been walking with me, disciples that have been training, that have seen the ministry I've done, it's time for you to now go. I love this. And in verse 1, it says, Jesus called the 12 disciples. So let me just clarify something in vision here. Our vision is upward, outward, forward. Upward, we are called to be disciples of Christ and to grow in our faith. The second thing is outward. So in verse 1, we see the upward. Jesus calls the disciples. But in verse 2, it says, these are the names of the 12 apostles. Now, the word apostle is significant here. It's the only time it's used in Matthew's gospel. The word apostle is significant because it means, it literally means sent out ones. People that are sent out on a mission. A people with a specific message, with a specific purpose, with a specific mission. So we see the upward, they're the disciples, they've grown, they've been trained. But then we see the outward, that we are to go, we are sent out. Listen to me very carefully. Every single one of us in this room are called to be disciples of Christ and grow in our faith and become more like Jesus. Every single one of us in this room are called to be sent out, to be apostles for Christ, to reach the world around us. We're not called to be disciples and just sit and grow and grow. We are called to be apostles and to go. 
And so Jesus sends us. He sees the people. He has compassion. He says, let's pray. And then he sends his disciples, his apostles, to go and reach the world. Verse 5. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. This is, this is important. This is another thing that we could just glance over in the text Um, But it says Jesus sends his apostles, the disciples, the apostles, sends them out on the mission. Jesus has a mission. He's been serving. Now he's sending the disciples, the apostles out on the mission. And he gives this clear instruction. And I think this is something we need to hear today. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any of the towns of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. Now, Jesus says... I'm sending you out, but I don't want you to go to the ends of the earth yet. Let me give that clarity. This is not saying, let me tell you what Jesus is not saying. Jesus is not saying he doesn't care about the people outside of Israel. This is not an exclusion of other people. This is the beginning of a plan. And the reason this is important for us to hear today is that there are far too many churches that are trying to minister to the other side of the world, but they're not seeing their neighbor and they're not ministering to the people right in front of them. And Jesus says, start with the people right around you. Start with the lost sheep of Israel. Jesus' plan isn't to ignore everyone else. As a church, we're not to ignore the world. We're to reach them, but it starts right here. We can't minister to the world around if we're not ministering to our own community. I'll take this a step further. Our greatest mission field is the one that's right around us. And that doesn't just mean the area around the church. That means your family. That means your friends. That means your coworkers. That means the other students that you go to school with. Our greatest mission field is the one that's right in front of us where God has placed us. And yes, God's plan is to reach everyone, but we've got to start here. Mission possible. And so we're called to be disciples, but we are called to be apostles, to be sent ones right around here. So Jesus sends, um, sends them. And, and then again, it, it says in verse 1 of chapter 10, it says, Jesus called the 12 disciples to him. He sends them out. And what does it say? It says he gave them authority to do what he's called them to do. To drive out impure spirits, to heal every disease and sickness. Jesus not only sends, but Jesus equips us. This is important because if it's up to us, no offense, I love all of you, you're really amazing, but if it's up to us and our power and our gifts, we can't save anyone. We can't. But Jesus doesn't only send us, Jesus equips us with his power. So when Jesus is going around healing and restoring people, we are equipped with the Holy Spirit and with the power to be a part of that. Now, I, listen, I have not studied 
like demon possession or any of that stuff nearly enough to start making definitive statements on it. I, I can admit what I don't know. But I do know this. We are equipped with the power of the Holy Spirit that can heal, that can restore, that can drive out impure spirits. And we way too often in the church settle for something far less. But God sends us into our community that's broken and hurting like sheep without a shepherd. And he equips us to go. When we are sent by Christ, we are empowered by Christ. So Jesus sees, Jesus has compassion, Jesus says pray, Jesus sends, Jesus equips. And then the sixth part, the last one here, is that we continue the work of Christ. As if Jesus was walking around our community healing and restoring, that's what we are called to do as the church. We're called on a mission to go, not just to the ends of the world, but right around us to preach, to heal, to restore, and to love. I want to go back to that really good part of the end of chapter 9, because I'm going to be honest with you. Let me just tell you a story about this week. Um, a couple years ago, I felt really impressed that the mission field right around me is just as important, if not more important, than the mission field across the world. And so I, every month, go get my hair cut. And I went to the same barber over and over again. And I'm going to be just real honest with you and say that for a while I didn't really see him. But God opened my eyes. I was in tune with the mission, with his heart. And all of a sudden I saw him. And my heart was broken with compassion. Not because he's a terrible person, but because God loves him and he doesn't know it. And so I started developing a relationship with my barber. And it's been several years now. We've been through a lot together. But I just want to confess to you that this week, as I was on my way to the barber shop, I was feeling completely defeated. Because I thought all this time that I've been trying to minister and serve, it just seems like nothing's happening. And I just thought, God, I know you're calling me to this mission field. But I don't see it. And then a couple nights ago, as I was reading this passage, I came to the end of chapter 39 where Jesus has seen the people. Jesus has been moved with compassion. And what does he say? He says, hey, the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is it's plentiful. I want you to hear this today. The harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. We're not sent on a losing mission. We're not sent to waste our time. We're sent with the power of Christ, called to reach the world around us, our barbers, our friends, our co-workers, our family. We are sent and we are equipped. And Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful. And you know what I did when I felt that? This. And I started crying tears because I knew I'd been seeing the brokenness. I'd been feeling the compassion. But I started to see the harvest. 
And I'm not telling you today that everything's perfect and that everything's worked out, but I got to tell you, Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, and if we will be faithful to go and to serve in his name, the harvest is coming. And all of a sudden, I went from defeated to assured and victorious that my God sees, my barber and my God loves, my barber and my God calls me to my barber and that I'm supposed to be faithful and the power of the Holy Spirit is working and the harvest is plentiful. Worship team's going to come up. Listen, I don't know, I don't know if there are people like that in your life. I don't know if there are people that are right around you that God's called you to. I know, I know God's called you. I know God's placed you in this position to reach others for Christ. And sometimes it can be discouraging and sometimes it can feel like we're, we're losing. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful. Pray. I want you to start with prayer today. As we sing this song, I want you to pray, God, call me, let me see people, fill me with your spirit, let me have compassion and use me. And I want you to pray about how God would want you to minister in the mission field right around you. You're going to see pictures up on the screen. Listen, as a church, we are called to this mission field, Westchester, um, uh, Liberty Township, Mason, and around. We are called to this mission field, and you're going to see a lot of pictures of ways that we are serving in our community. One easy step you could take is just to join us in serving. But I want you to pray, God, open my eyes to the people all around me that need you, and send me, Lord. Father, I thank you for each person that's here. I thank you for the calling. I thank you that we're just not meant to to get you know, comfortable and fat and happy here spiritually, but that we are meant to go. We are called on your mission. So I pray that you would speak to us and help us to offer ourselves to you right now. Open our eyes. Help us to feel compassion and call us to go in Jesus' name. Amen.